In Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4, Jesus came down from the mountainside where he preached the Sermon on the Mount. Large crowds followed him. A leper went up to him and bowed down and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. He cleansed. The man was healed immediately. Jesus told him not to tell anyone but to go to the priest and present the offering a healed leper was supposed to present. This event is interesting because a large crowd was present. Lepers were supposed to stay away from other people and were supposed to let them know they were getting close to a leper so the people wouldn't go, get too close. They were supposed to announce unclean. That didn't happen. I believe the leper wrapped himself closely, long sleeves, and a hood to hide his leprosy, so the crowd didn't notice him. He bowed before Jesus. I think he talked quietly to Jesus, so only Jesus would hear. Jesus reached out and touched him. People were supposed to touch lepers because it was believed to be very contagious. Jesus was showing the power of a contagious disease when he touched and healed the leper. Then with a crowd of people close by, Jesus told the man not to tell anyone except the priest. I think Jesus talked quietly to the man so the crowd wouldn't hear. He knew people would be crowding in wanting to be healed of all kinds of things. In Matthew 8, verses 5 through 9, a centurion told Jesus his servant was sick and asked if Jesus would heal him. Jesus said he would go with the centurion to heal his servant. The centurion said Jesus didn't need to go in person, <clears throat> but just to say the word and his servant would be healed. He knew that Jesus had the authority to do this. Jesus marveled at the faith of this Gentile. This same encounter is told from a different perspective in Luke 7, three to, uh, verses 3 through 10. It's interesting because this is a story about Jesus healing a servant at the request of a Gentile, though the servant might have been a Jew. Luke was the only Gentile author of a book in the New Testament. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. All the other books of the New Testament were written by Jews, starting with the Book of Acts. Christianity was considered to be a sect of Judaism because most of the early members of the church were Jews until more Gentiles became Christians. Jesus was a Jew among Jews, and most of his ministry was to the Jews when he was still walking on this earth. But then this Roman centurion came to Jesus asking him to heal the servant of the centurion. This Jewish territory had been conquered by the Roman Empire. That was occupied by the Roman Empire. The em emperor of Rome had rulers at regional levels. Those rulers had management people at the local level. It was a military rule, and this centurion was in charge of this particular area. As a centurion, he had a hundred men in his unit, sort of like a local police force. There was nothing democratic about it. In most cases, there was little love between the rulers and the people being ruled. Jesus and his followers started something here. 
Jews had always thought themselves better than the Gentiles. Because the Jews were God's chosen people. <clears throat> but for many years now, God had his chosen people in subjection to Gentiles. God had done this to them at other times in their history. They were chosen for God's purpose, not for their own glory. And that was God's purpose to have his son born among his chosen people who were being ruled by these pagan Gentiles. <clears throat> Some of those Gentiles were going to be brought into God's kingdom as part of his chosen people. Today, most Christians are not Jews, but God is not finished with the Jews yet. Paul talks about it in Romans 11. In verse 25, Paul is speaking to Gentile Christians. He says, For I do not want you brothers to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. In verses 30 and 31, Paul says, Just as you once were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience, so these also have been disobedient, that because of the mercy shown to you, they may also now be shown mercy. In verse 33, Paul says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. <clears throat> Well, back to the centurion, he tells people his servant is paralyzed and in pain. With both of these problems, it sounds like maybe the servant had a serious back injury. Jesus tells the centurion he will go and heal the man. <clears throat> the centurion knows that the, G the Jews believe it is wrong for them to enter the house of a Gentile. And he knows Jesus is a Jew. Centurion doesn't assert his authority. He doesn't demand that Jesus come to his house to heal the servant. Jesus has already offered to do this. The centurion recognizes that Jesus is a man of authority, greater than his own authority. He knows he is in the presence of greatness. The centurion is a man who has the faith that Jesus can heal. He humbles himself, asking that Jesus just say the word so his servant will be healed. The centurion says he is a man under authority. He knows how to follow orders. And when he gives orders, people under his authority follow his orders. He knows that when Jesus says for something to be done, it will be done. The centurion knows he himself cannot heal his servant because he does not have the authority to, to accomplish that miracle. He knows faith is powerful, but not if that faith is placed in the wrong place. He knows that faith needs to rely on someone who has the authority to accomplish the miracle. Jesus marveled at the man's faith. This Gentile had more faith than anyone in Israel. Jesus said, many people, he was referring to Gentiles here, many people would come from east and west to be in the kingdom of God. The sons of the kingdom, the Jews, the ones who were supposed to be there, would be cast out because of their unbelief. Jesus told the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. The centurion was healed that moment. I mean, the servant was healed that moment. 
According to the story, it was told in Luke 3.10 that <clears throat> those who had been sent by the centurion to go talk to Jesus went home to find the slave in good health. <clears throat> the story in Luke is the same story told from the perspective of Luke instead of Matthew. The details of the story are different because the two writers have different perspectives. Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples. He was called by Jesus to follow him in chapter 9 of Matthew. He was a first-hand witness of things happening in the Gospel of Matthew from that point on. Matthew wrote the things that happened in the, chapter eight, in the first eight chapters, depending on others to tell him what happened. His account of the centurion came from other people, probably the disciples already with Jesus, who witnessed the encounter. Luke was not one of the 12 disciples because he was a Gentile who came to faith in Jesus at a later time. In the first four verses of Luke, he tells us he investigated and researched to find the facts before he wrote the Gospel of Luke. He wrote the book of Acts as a participant because he was there through at least some of it. He was a companion of Paul. So the story of the centurion was the same story in Matthew and Luke, but some of the details are different because they had different points of view. It would be like a story in the news today. Different newspapers or TV stations might tell it differently in some of the details because they had different reporters. Healing the centurion came right after healing the leper in the same chapter. We know Jesus healed the leper as he was leaving the Sermon on the Mount. It appears that healing the centurion was later in the same day. Now I said that... Uh, Jesus healed the centurion. He was actually healed the servant of the centurion because of the centurion's faith in Jesus. So the Sermon on the Mount was the first event of a very long day for Jesus. It looks like the day started at the last verse of chapter 4, where it says large crowds followed Jesus. Chapter 5 begins with, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. He sat down and his disciples came to him. It was like getting on the stage of an outdoor amphitheater. He was sitting on the side of a mountain high enough up so everyone could see and hear him. You've probably been to an amphitheater. Usually the stage is lower than most of the seats which rise up around it in an area shaped like part of a bowl <clears throat> surrounding the stage at the front. In this story, the stage was the mountainside, and all the crowd was down below on the, on the flat ground, so they could see and hear Jesus. In an amphitheater, no microphones are needed, because the shape of the theater carries the sound. Maybe the Sermon on the Mount had the same advantage for carrying sound. The Sermon on the Mount begins in chapter 5 and goes on through the end of chapter 7. Then Jesus healed the leper. Then Jesus healed the centurion's servant. 
from there, he and his disciples went to Peter's house. I think Peter, uh, Jesus, just wanted to get in and away from the crowd of people and rest a little bit. In verse 14, it tells us Jesus saw Peter's mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. Then Jesus touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and waited on him. Her son-in-law came in with Jesus and she felt she should show hospitality, especially now that he had healed her fever. So Jesus probably had a meal and some downtime, but the day wasn't over. Evening came and the people were bringing sick people and demon-possessed people to be healed. I think Jesus stepped outside Peter's house to meet the crowd and minister to them. Jesus cast out spirits for the word and healed sick people. It's interesting that Jesus sometimes touched people who were being healed, even those untouchable people with leprosy. But in looking through the list of people who had demons cast out, it appears that Jesus never touched any of them. He always cast out demons by telling them to leave, and they left. I think it is because the demons had long ago rejected God when they chose to follow Satan. This was a spiritual problem. No physical touch was needed. The only demon-possessed person who touched Jesus was Judas, when he betrayed Jesus with a fraternal kiss to show the crowd from the chief priest who to arrest at the Garden of Gethsemane. So <clears throat> here it is, the evening of a very long and eventful day, and Jesus is standing in Peter's front yard, surrounded by a crowd of needy people. And Peter was a fisherman, so he lived in the edge of the water. In verse 18, Jesus gave orders to get in the boat and depart to the other side of the sea. He had to get away from this crowd and get some rest. People saw them getting ready to cast off. A scribe, a writer, came up to Jesus and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Imagine Jesus struggling to stay awake, just wanting to lay his head down and get some sleep. And he responded to the scribe who was probably sent by the Pharisees to monitor and report the words and actions of Jesus so that they could see what he was up to. <clears throat> and Jesus said, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He was probably thinking, I just want to sleep, and now this yapping lapdog scribe wants to come along. A disciple said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said, follow me and allow the dead to bury their dead. Notice Jesus told this person to follow him, but did not invite the scribe to come along. The Bible doesn't tell us who this disciple was, but the person obviously felt the call to follow Jesus, but first he wanted to spend some time with family, maybe a long time. To say he first wanted to bury his father would be reasonable if his father was dead, but it might have been a polite roundabout way of saying he wanted to wait until his elderly father eventually passed away. If he were missing when that happened, he might not, he might get out of the uh, inheritance get cut out of the inheritance. But Jesus wanted commitment. 
not a maybe promise of future involvement. Jesus was talking about the spiritually dead when he said to allow the dead to bear their dead. In verse 23, it says that when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. In verse 18, Jesus had already given orders to depart to the other side of the sea, and now he was the first one on board. Then they finally got in. They cast off, and soon a great storm rose up. With all the wind and the waves, water was splashing in and covering the boat, but Jesus was fast asleep. His disciples were frantic. Some of them were expecting fishermen, but they were, they were experienced fishermen. But they were afraid the boat was going to sink in the storm, and they woke Jesus, saying, Lord, save us, we're dying. Here he was, he finally was getting some much-needed sleep, and then they woke him up, and he said, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? He stood up in that rocking boat and commanded the wind and the waves to stop. It all became perfectly still. The disciples were astonished. They were saying to each other, What kind of man is this that even the wind and the water obey him? When they finally got to the other side of the sea, they were met by two demon-possessed men coming out of the graveyard, <clears throat> as it is written in Matthew. But let's look at the same story in the Gospel of Mark. In Mark, it says Jesus freed one man from a legion of demons and sent the demons into a herd of hogs, causing them to commit mass suicide, drowning in the sea. And this tells us something about the torment the man had lived with because Jesus freed him from the legion of demons and the hogs would rather drown than put up with the demons. This incident is written about in three of the Gospels but not in the Gospel of John. John was surely an eyewitness to this miracle but doesn't mention it. According to the commentary in my New American Standard Rowry Study Bible, the Gospels record five, 35 miracles that Jesus did. Only nine of those were recorded in John's Gospel. But in the last verse of the last chapter of the Gospel of John, he said, Jesus did many things, so many things, that if they were all written in detail, the world would not contain all the books that would be written. But the miracle of the man being freed from the legion of demons is written about in the other three Gospels. Yet none of those three Gospel writers was an eyewitness to this incident. Matthew was an apostle of Jesus, but not until after Jesus sent the legion of demons into the pigs. He was written about in Matthew chapter 8, but at that time Matthew was still in the city of Capernaum collecting taxes and counting money. It wasn't until chapter 9, verse 9, that Matthew was called to follow Jesus. Years later, Matthew wrote his gospel, including the first eight chapters, about things that happened before Matthew was an apostle. <clears throat> Mark and Luke wrote their gospels in later years. They were not part of the twelve apostles. Mark was a cousin of Barnabas and a friend of Peter. Mark went with Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. It is believed that Luke was not even a Jew. He was a friend of Paul. He also wrote the book of Acts. 
The point is the four Gospels were written from four different perspectives by different followers of Jesus, and three of them didn't even see this particular miracle happen. That would explain why Matthew's account told of two men possessed by a legion of demons where Mark and Luke said it was one man. It is believed by scholars that Mark got much of his information from Peter in writing the gospel. They say Luke got much of his information from Mark. In the first four verses of Luke, he writes that he did much research in order to write the events as they happened. The gospel writers were inspired by God in what they wrote, and they agree in all the important details. These gospel accounts are not the only place in the Bible where we are told Satan has many demons or fallen angels. In Matthew 25, 41, Jesus said, <clears throat> Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Revelations 12, 3 and 4 says, The dragon's tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven. Some scholars say this refers to the devil's past rebellion against God and that a third of the angels joined him and were cast out of heaven. Revelations 12, 7 tells us that Michael and his angels waged war with the dragon and his angels. Revelations 12, 9 says, It is written, And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. <clears throat> Back to the story at hand. This was a long day. It was the day after a sermon on the seashore. He had to talk to them from a boat which was pushed away from the shore while the crowd all pushed up to the shoreline. This was the way Mark and Luke told it. According to Matthew, this was after the Sermon on the Mount. It is possible Jesus preached in both those places in the days leading up to the story. According to Matthew, Jesus healed a leper and a centurion's servant right after the sermon. He also went to Peter's house and healed a Peter's mother-in-law. Luke tells it from a different perspective. It was a busy day. Jesus was ready to get a good night's sleep, and he had to get away from the crowds, and he and his men got in Peter's boat, and he had them to row to the other side of the Sea of Galilee while he lay down on the boat to get a good night's rest. And while he was sleeping and they were rowing, a fierce storm blew in, and Jesus slept through it. His men were losing the battle, trying to stay afloat and row against the wind and the waves. And they were losing the battle against fear. And some of them were fishermen with long experience in dealing with the wind and the waves. But they were afraid. They woke Jesus up and he stood up in the boat and told the wind and the waves to cease and desist. Immediately the storm stopped and they arrived at the shore at the edge of a cemetery. And <clears throat> that's when they met the man who was beset by a legion of demons. And after the pigs died, Jesus and his men crossed the sea again and came to Jesus' own city, according to Matthew 9.1. Maybe Jesus finally got some rest on the way back. 
I hadn't thought about it before, but it is interesting that Jesus and his men went from one side of the lake to the cemetery home of the tormented man, where Jesus delivered the man from the spiritual tormentors. And then they left to go back to the other side of the lake. That's all they did there. It seems like the only reason they went to, to that side of the lake was to deliver that man from his demons. Nobody had asked Jesus to come over and help the man who had the demons. But Jesus had happened to show up. It seemed like Jesus went there on purpose for that one purpose. It may be that he also had in mind to talk to those pig farmers about their relationship to God in the name of Jesus, but they told him to leave them after their pigs died. Jesus knew they needed a witness, so he left them a powerful witness, the man who had to, who was delivered from the demons. He had asked to join Jesus and his apostles when they sailed away, but Jesus told him to stay and tell his neighbors, those neighbors who knew him, when he was demon-possessed. Jesus told them to stay and him to stay and tell about how Jesus delivered him. So on the same day after Jesus and his men landed it on home shores, they were met by a large crowd. Jesus healed a woman and raised a girl. In in Mark five, twenty one through forty three, also in Matthew nine eighteen through twenty six, and Luke eight forty one through fifty six, a man in the crowd, when they got to shore, named Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue. His daughter was very sick. Jairus asked Jesus to heal his daughter, and Jesus went with him to heal his daughter. A large crowd of people went with them. They didn't follow at a respectful distance. They crowded and pressed against the Son of God. They had to touch him. Maybe they didn't know he was the Son of God, but they had to be with this famous man who was healing people who had been written off and who was going to heal the daughter of this important synagogue ruler. This was an exciting day. Jairus, the synagogue ruler, was one who believed in the power of Jesus to heal. At least one other believer was in this crowd of people. This woman had suffered from an illness for 12 years. She had spent what money she had on doctors and other medical experts. She was out of money, and she had gotten worse over the years. She heard about Jesus. She wasn't bold like Jairus. She didn't feel important enough to ask Jesus to heal her, but she believed in him. She didn't just believe about him. She wanted to put her trust in him. She was afraid to ask him, but just wanted to get close enough to touch him or to touch the edge of his clothing. She believed she would be healed by him if she just touched the edge of his clothing. She didn't think she deserved even that, but... She had to reach out to him. She acted on her faith in Jesus, and she was healed. If I had to be funny, it it had to be funny because Jesus felt the power of healing go from him. And he looked around and said, 
who touched me? Here he was being jostled by a large crowd of people, and he said, who touched me? <clears throat> I think maybe his disciples laughed when they replied, what do you mean who touched you? You've got a whole crowd of people touching you. The woman who was healed from her 12 years illness knew she was healed. She felt the power of God healing her, and it happened when she touched Jesus. And now she had been caught in the act of trusting in Jesus. She didn't think she had permission. She fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. He didn't say peasant or lowlife or worthless woman. He said, Daughter, she was a daughter of the king of kings. She was a princess. She was worth healing. And Jesus was letting her know she had value and she was his daughter. That might have been worth more to her than a healthy body. She was now somebody. She is now somebody in the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> While Jesus was talking with his princess, some people came from the synagogue leader's house with bad news. They said, Jairus' daughter had died. And they said, Jesus can't help you now. They weren't believers. Jesus overheard them say they, that he overheard what they were saying. He said to Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. He told the crowd to stay back and took Peter, James, and John, and joined Jairus in going back to his house. There was another crowd at the house. They were friends of Jairus. They were weeping and wailing enough to wake the dead, but it didn't work. She was dead. But Jesus said to them, Why are you making all this noise? She isn't dead. She is only asleep. They laughed a scornful laugh at him as if he were a fool, and Jesus put them all out of the house, except the girl's parents and Peter, James, and John. And they entered the room where the little girl was. Jesus took her by the hand and said, Little girl, get up. She got up immediately and started to walk around, and Jesus told them not to, tell, not to tell anybody. He said, give her something to eat. <clears throat> Jesus knew this was not the time to bring in a crowd of people and start hooting and hollering in joy. Jesus knew she needed some space and some quiet, and some time to adjust to being alive again. She needed some time with her family. To summarize, Jesus did many things in the course of two days. After preaching to a large crowd, he healed people. He and his men set out across the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus slept while they rode. When a sudden storm threatened to capsize the boat, the men woke Jesus. And he caused the storm to stop immediately. Then they went to shore, and Jesus delivered a man from a legion of demons and gave the demons permission to enter a herd of hogs. 
the hogs committed mass suicide, and Jesus and his men left and went back across the lake to the other side. When they got there, they were met by a crowd of people. And Jesus healed a woman who had been sick for 12 years and then went and raised a girl from the dead. So we see a couple of days in the life of Jesus. <laughs>